Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church plant located in the beautiful city of Frisco, Texas. We pray that the following message will bless your life and help you to a dynamic and powerful walk with Christ. If you have any questions about our church and about who we are, please feel free to visit our website, citychurchfrisco.org, or feel free to email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. Thanks for listening. I remember it was in the house that I, I grew up in, uh, what I consider my one of my home where, you know, I, I lived my childhood years. And um, I remember one time I was at home. My parents were outside. And I remember that I was at, inside the house by myself. I guess we were washing the sheets in the, at the house because uh, I remember sitting on top of the bed, and the bed was, you know, it didn't have any sheets on it. Um, and I was sitting, I remember this vividly in my mind. I was sitting on the mattress and I had, you know, I was sitting Indian style, you know. If you remember in elementary school, they'd have a sit in Indian style. Um, so I was sitting Indian style, and I was having a good time because uh, I had a matchbox in my hands. <laughs> I had some matches, and um, everybody, I'm by myself in the house, and my parents are outside. And I'm sitting there on the mattress, and I have this, this box of matches, and I remember that vividly that I, that I would strike a match, Put it on the mattress, just kind of let it go, and then slap on it, right? Turn it off. Uh, I remember I did it again, and I did it multiple times. I was fascinated by the fire. I was just, I was entranced by, by just being able to control this fire and just, like, I would set it, and, and I would, I must have been eight, nine years old. I, I, I couldn't have been older than that. And I remember that uh, I was having a good time, right? And I, I had left a little pile of matches there. I, I must have burned through about 10 or 11. And then I kind of got bored after a little bit. And I remember getting up off the, t- off the mattress and going outside to be with my parents. And um, for some reason, I, I, all of a sudden, I thought, let me, let me go back inside. I, I, I guess I got bored outside again. I had a very short attention span. So I went out there, came back in. And when I came back in, the mattress was on fire. I yelled out, Mom, Dad, help. But the mattress, I had set a fire on the mattress. I was vividly, I could remember, I thought, I was sure that I had turned off all the matches. And here I thought that I could control this fire. Here I thought that, that, there was, uh, that I, I had this under control, which is why, kids, you should not play with matches, okay? Thank God you really don't use matches anymore. We use lighters, but... Uh, but yeah, I came in, my dad, uh, needless to say, uh, came in, the, the mattress was destroyed, it didn't catch anywhere else, it stayed very centrally there, he was able to turn the fire off, but I had set a fire, and today, this really has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, only to tell you that we're going to start today a new sermon series called Set a Fire, <laughs> alright, Set a Fire, now, one thing I did learn from this is that sometimes a fire, right? They tell us don't, uh, don't play with fire, right? Um, a fire, even though we may think it's under control, can be uncontrollable. And just a minute ago, we were singing a song saying, Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Because I want more of you, God. I want more of you. 
right? And, and I think that as we, we talk about this, this next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I believe, yeah, the subtitle is Experiencing the Power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to I wanna throw out a disclaimer, okay? Now, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is at work in all over the world. It's at work uh, within believers and non-believers alike because God will use anyone to accomplish his goals, to accomplish his purpose. But there is a promise in the Bible for us believers, those of us that are believers, those of us that are all in in Christ, those of us that are giving our lives to Jesus, those of us that have said, you know what, I, I want to give my life to you and I want to declare publicly that I'm, I'm going to give my life to, to Jesus and I, I'm being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and I've been risen to a new life. The Bible promises to us that have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that, that have given our lives to him. He promises the Holy Spirit not only at work around us, in us, or not only around us, but working inside of our hearts. That the Holy Spirit comes to indwell, to, to make a, a habitat, right? And I'm not talking about a, a possession of a spirit, okay? You guys watch too many scary movies, if you're thinking that way. I'm talking about just where, where the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit of God, which is God himself, working in our lives and living within us. That's why the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? So this is not in my notes, but I'm going to say this, okay? So if you come in, this is the temple, right? This is a sanctuary. This is not a church. I've told you guys before, you and I, we are the church, this building is a temple to God. This is where we come to meet and to worship our God. Now, if you and I come to this temple and we, we look around, right, and we, we look at the walls, we look at the instruments, we look at the lights, and we think, you know what, this is a place to be respected. Amen? You and I, we don't just chew gum in here and then throw it out on the floor. You and I, we don't just blow our nose and throw the Kleenex on the floor. Right? No, we don't do that. We have manners. We're well-mannered. Uh, and we get on to our kids if they do that. Um, anyway, so we, the temple of God is to be respected. So likewise, the Bible says that our bodies are a temple of God. But there are many things in our life that prevent us from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit that prevents us from setting a fire in our souls that we can't contain, that we can't control. Because we are inputting things that disrespect the temple of God. Okay? This is for some of us, okay? This is, this is not just for some of us, for all of us, okay? When you and I have addictions that destroy our body, we're disrespecting the temple of God. It's like... Again, chewing gum and throwing it on the floor here. Because God created you. And now the Bible says that we are the temple of God. And if you and I are all in with Christ, there should be something different within us. We need to go in and clean house. Amen. Amen. We need to go in and say, okay, I can't, I can't input this in my life. Amen. Because 
This is the temple of God, and the Bible says that God resides in me, and I need to provide a clean place. I need to provide a clean heart. I need to provide somewhere that is worthy of my God. Yes, even in my sin, even in my unworthiness, God wants to live within me. Then I got to do all that I can. I got to do everything that's in my power to make sure that his house is clean. Amen. Amen. And this is something that at times prevents us from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about that sometimes sin prevents us from uh, uh, possessing the land that God has given us. And, and there's times because when we have sin in our hearts, we carry guilt, we carry shame. And in our guilt and our shame that is attacking our, our conscience and attacking our heart, it's very difficult to experience the power of the Holy Spirit until we are able to come before God and ask for forgiveness so that He can clean us, purify our hearts. Amen. The Bible, the, the, the uh, who is it? What David, I believe, wrote this psalm. I think it's Psalm 104, where he said, Lord, the, show me my hidden sins. Reveal to me that which I may not be aware of because there are times that we commit sins that, that we are not even realizing that it's a sin. Because we've gotten so numb to it. We've gotten so, uh, a, just it's become a part of our daily life. But David prayed day in and day out, Lord, show me, reveal those hidden sins in my heart. So today as we start this sermon series, we're going to be talking for the next four weeks about Setting a fire in our hearts, experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and today, I want to talk about from the subject of either stiff-necked or uninformed. Okay? You'll, you'll find out what that means in just a little bit. Okay? But that's the title today, stiff-necked or uninformed. See, the Holy Spirit is not just something for someone else. Okay, I don't know what your, uh, some of you I know have grown up in an apostolic background and you know all about the Holy Spirit. You know all about talking and uh, speaking in other tongues. You know all about the, 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 the revival aspect of the Holy Spirit. But yes, that's all great and good, but there is a, a different aspects to the Holy Spirit. And some of us may think, you know, that is kind of weird, that's kind of odd, and that's kind of, I don't get that part. But the Bible is very specific about speaking in tongues, and we'll be talking about that later on in a couple of weeks, and it's going to be part of the spiritual gifts message that I give. But today, we're going to be talking about why the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so important. And again, it's not just for someone else. It's not just for somebody in ministry. It's not just for, for our neighbor. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for that brother that's been in church uh, for 30 years. It's not just for someone else. The Holy Spirit is a promise that is made to you and to me. Amen. It is a promise that if you're an unbeliever or you haven't gone all, all in with Jesus, Jesus promises that, you know what, you give your life to me and I will give you the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is something real and powerful, something that you and I have access to as children of God. Now, I was reading a book, and I was, I was struck because I was preparing for this, lesson, uh, this sermon, this message, and, and I was struck by what this, what this author wrote, and he said that too many Christians know a lot about God, 
but rarely or never experience his presence in their lives. See, I don't know about you, but I know that I don't want to be that Christian. The Christian that says that he's a Christian, that Christian that, uh, that act, talks a lot of talk and does certain things, but never truly has had a moment, has never truly had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in their lives. And if the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit, of why it's so important, then why are there so many of us, why are there so many people in this world that proclaim to be Christians, but yet live day in and day out with the, without the presence of God? In fact, if you remember way back when, those of you that grew up in Sunday school, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, the Bible says that in the beginning, I believe we have it up here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So in his very essence, God is a spirit. Okay? John chapter 4, verse 24 is, declares this. Uh, we have it up here, Andrew. Maybe, maybe not. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. See, that's why when sometimes when we come to church and, and maybe we're not attuned with the spirit. And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I know that now pastoring a few years and um, being in ministry for a few years, that one person can come to church and say, Man, that was an awesome service. I had a great time. God really moved and God was present. And then another person go out of the church and say, mm, that was just another Sunday. <laughs> Nothing happened. Well, could it be that that person that didn't experience anything, their spirit was not connecting with God's spirit? Because in essence, like I said, God is a spirit. And that's why John, in John uh, chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said that those that worship him must worship him, not in our carnality, not in our flesh necessarily, but we need to worship him in spirit. Because our spirit needs to connect with Jesus. Amen. So why are so many people living a spiritless life? The first reason I believe that People are living without God's spirit is that some simply aren't aware of his spirit. Some aren't aware of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there, there's two aspects to this, okay? The very first aspect is there's just a lack of knowledge. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 2, the Bible says, While Apollos, Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So I think the first aspect of not being aware of the Holy Spirit is that. That some people just don't understand that there is a Holy Spirit. Some Christians, uh, maybe uh, some churches haven't done a good, good enough job where they've overemphasized certain areas of God. Certain uh, uh, characteristics of God and haven't given proper emphasis to the Spirit and the power that is available to us when you and I have God's Spirit in our lives. So again, I call this a lack of knowledge. In this aspect. I believe the second aspect to not being aware of the Holy Spirit is that there's a lack of seeking Him. I don't know if that's grammatically correct. or, But we just, 
We just don't seek him. And where I think this is a major problem for most of us. Okay? This is a major problem. And I'm going to include you, me with you guys. I, I seek God, but I know that there's times, uh, I've seen times uh, that, you know, maybe I could have done a better job this week. Maybe I could have done a little bit better in this area in my life. And, and we have a lack of seeking God. We have, there is a, there is a disbalance in our lives where we, we have no problem seeking our, our paycheck. We don't have no problem seeking out our stories on TV. We have no problem seeking out uh, our sports. We have no problem seeking out our hobbies. But when it comes to Jesus and seeking his Holy Spirit in our lives, for some reason there's always a barrier. There's always something that affects us. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 27. See, God promises that if we seek him, he will be found. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 27 and 29, the Bible says, For the Lord will scatter, scatter you among the nations where only a few of you will survive. Okay, this is a, a very, very deep and heavy promise because uh, a prophecy because God is telling them, you know what, you guys are going to go through a hard, hard time right now. Some of you are not going to make it to the end. You're going to be in a foreign land, verse 28. You will worship idols made from wood and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there, in that situation you find yourself, you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for Him with all your heart and all your soul, you will find Him. See, some of us are lost in the gods of our hobbies. We are lost in the God of money. We are lost in our lust. We are lost in our addictions. But God says, there where you are in that foreign land that you don't belong in, if you will turn to me and if you will seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You will find me. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you find the connection here? Every instance that God says you will find me, we have to be persistent. We have to continue. We have to use all of our health. We have to give all of our heart. We have to give all of our strength. And God says, you will find me. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I believe that one of the problems too with seeking God is that we, we go to a door and we, we knock on the door. We knock on the door. And nowadays, you know, you ring a doorbell and if you 10, 15 seconds, no one answers, what do we do? We leave. No one's home. But the Bible says that we need to seek. We need to knock. We need to knock on God's door earnestly and fervently, praying, seeking, Lord, I need this miracle in my life. Lord, I need your spirit to dwell within me because without you, I can do nothing. We're just saying there's nothing impossible for our God. 
There is nothing impossible for our Lord. Through you I can do anything. Through you I can do all things. But it's dependent on God being with us. James chapter 4 verse 8. One of my favorite verses. Very plain. Very simple. says come close to God. And God will come close to you. I don't know how, how, much, how much simpler we can break it down. This is God's promise to you. This is God's promise to me that you must come close to me. Take that first step. Take that second step. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. I will answer. I will draw close to you. So, again, I believe that the reason that you and I sometimes live spiritless lives because there's a lack of awareness of him. When you and I don't seek him, we're not aware of him. When you and I don't bend our knees constantly, consistently, and, and, and pray, there is just a lack of awareness within us of when God is speaking to us. And uh, th- there may be times that, that God wants to reach out to us and he wants to uh, reach his hand in and say, you know what, I got this son, I got this daughter. But we miss it. We miss it. Reminds me of the, the story they tell that, that there was a uh, person that got stranded in the middle of the ocean. And, and he would cry out and say, Lord, rescue me, Lord. I'm stuck in the middle of the ocean. I'm running out of food. And then all of a sudden, one day, a, 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 a big ship came across and, and, and they found him and they said, come on, well, come with us. He says, no. I'm waiting for God to rescue me. Amen. Right? So the guys were like, okay. So they left. And then a few days later, another, another uh, a Navy ship came by, and, and they, got, they saw him through their, through their uh, whatever it was that they looked through, their binoculars or whatever. And they go to him, and they say, come on, we'll get you. He said, no, 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 I'm praying that God will rescue me. He will rescue me. Great was his faith. This happened a third time. And he denied the help and he said, God is going to rescue me. And then the story goes on to say that the, the man died. He got to the gates of heaven. He sees Jesus and says, Lord, I was praying. Why did you not save me? He says, I sent a boat. I sent a Navy ship. I sent some people to help you. You kept saying no. You kept saying no. See, we miss the opportunities, God, we miss when God speaks into our life because we're not in tune with him. We're not aware of his presence. I don't know, there was a theme to the songs that we picked today, okay? We sang, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But I wonder, I truly, truly sometimes question, is this real what we're singing in our lives? Because if we truly were welcoming Christ into our hearts, if we're truly opening our arms to him and saying, Lord, you are welcome here, there would be change in our lives. There would be growth of faith in our lives. There would be an awareness of his spirit that when things don't go our way, it's okay. It's okay. God is with me. Because he's here. He lives with me. I communicate with him. My, my walk with Christ is like my walk with my spouse. Just as I see them and I hear them, I hear my Jesus and I see 
his favors in my life. But sometimes we're too busy to see it. Sometimes we just don't seek him enough. And we're unaware, unaware of him. We're uninformed. We don't understand what God wants to do in our lives. The second reason I believe that there is such a a lack of God's spirit in, in God's people is that we resist the Holy Spirit. Some people just outright resist the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us, as I said, we're just unaware of His Spirit. It could be just because we don't seek him enough. We're just not in communication with him. We miss church uh, every once in a while. And we just, we just, it's not a priority necessarily in our lives. But for some of us, on the other hand, we outright just resist him. We hear God's calling in our lives. We feel his promptings in our lives. And we just say no. And we find ourselves being rebuked just like these, uh, the Pharisees were rebuked. And and God saying, you stiff-necked son or daughter. Your hearts, this is not your heart. Your hearts and your ears are uncircumcised. The circumcision that God made a pact with people, with the, the, the Israelites, was a sign of, of getting rid of their flesh and living to God. And here in Acts, when the Bible says that our ears and our necks and our, and our hearts are still uncircumcised, he's saying that our, our flesh is still covering our ears. Our flesh is still covering our hearts. And we haven't been able to pull away our fleshly desires. We haven't learned to live for Jesus, Amen. to live for Christ. And for that reason, we resist Him. We don't allow for God to cut that away from us. We're hanging on to certain things that brings us Comfort, I guess, that brings us some sort of satisfaction in our lives. But all it does is bring this, it brings satisfaction to us. It's all about us. And when God says, cut that away, take that off, for my Holy Spirit will come and dwell inside of you. So the question becomes, Why? Why should we seek the Holy Spirit in our lives? There's three things I'm going to give you today. There's many more reasons. I'm going to give you three reasons that the Bible states specifically. And this is the reason that you and I, we should seek God's Spirit without fail. Every day. Every day. The Holy Spirit in the first place, He will comfort you. How many of us ever needed comforting? Yeah. We've gone through some hard times. We've gone through some difficulties. We lost a job. We lost a loved one. We, we were going through something really hard. And we needed some comfort. 
See, John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says that I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. This is one of the benefits, one of the gifts that God gives us when we have his Holy Spirit, that we have him within us, that when we do go through difficult times, we do feel his comfort in our lives. We feel his peace. We feel his joy when the world should say, wow, they shouldn't be joyful. But yet we feel that. Because why? Because he's God's spirit at work in our lives. The second thing the Holy Spirit will do for you is the Holy Spirit will counsel you. John chapter 16 verse 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How many of you guys ever needed some counseling? Amen. Amen. You're about to make a, 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 a big decision for your life. You're about to maybe purchase a home. Maybe you're about to purchase a vehicle that is going to have a high payment and, and it's a big decision. And you need some, some guidance. You need some counsel. See, the Holy Spirit is available to us too when you and I have those decisions in our lives to make. We can actually, some of, again, this is something where we need to understand that God wants us to involve him in every aspect of our lives. So when you and I are about to make a purchase, it does you no harm to come before God and say, Lord, I'm about to purchase this vehicle. I just want your guidance. I want it to feel good. I want to feel at peace. I don't want to have any buyer's remorse in two or three days. What should I do? See, many times what we do is we go to the dealership and they give us this beautiful picture and they say, you can buy down your points, you can do this. And you know what? They do the whole game. I got to go talk to the manager. Then they come back and all that. And you feel pressured into, into signing the, the dotted line. And then what happens the next day? You're like, what did I do? No, you guys play the game, but then say, you know what? Let me think about it. I'm going to go home. No one's going to take the car. It'll be there tomorrow. And you go and you come before God. Get some peace. Amen. Get some counsel. Maybe it's some difficulty in your marriage that you're going through or in a relationship that you have. And you're at your wit's end. You just don't know what to do anymore. God promises that he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit comforts you. The Holy Spirit counsels you. Third thing that I want to talk about today is that the Holy Spirit convicts you. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. When you and I are in tune with God, when you and I are filled with his Spirit... There are certain steps that we take. There are certain decisions that we may make where God's Holy Spirit convicts us and says, Hey, Daniel, you know better than that. What were you thinking? And you get this prompting in your heart, in your soul that I, I did something I shouldn't have done. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit working in your life. See, we have a decision to make. Are we going to be stiff-necked and resist? Or are we going to 
pay attention. We're going to pull back the flesh of our, of our, cut away the flesh of our ears and our hearts and say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. Will we be like, there's a story in the Bible that talks about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man. I can remember the song, right? But it was a cool little Sunday school song. I know it in Spanish. No? Okay, I don't know that well. But, but the Bible says that this guy, Zacchaeus, was a really short man. And the crowds pressed around Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. He wanted to, to see him. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus, in his eagerness to see Jesus, climbed up on a sycamore tree. Because he was short. And he was like a little kid up on a tree. Just because he wanted to see Jesus. See, Jesus is not an unaware God. Jesus is very aware of what you and I do. And as Jesus was being pressed in by the crowds. And as Jesus was walking. He, without hesitation, turns up in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, get down from there because tonight it is necessary for me to dine with you. See, Zacchaeus had a desire to know God. Zacchaeus had a desire to, to, to see Jesus. But it went beyond his wildest dreams. Jesus addressed him and said, tonight I will be in your home and I will eat with you. And the Bible goes on to say, yes. The Bible goes on to say that as they were talking, that Jesus was, uh, was talking with him, that Zacchaeus was convicted of his sins. He was a tax collector. He worked for the IRS. That he stole a lot of money from many people. He robbed. The Bible says that Zacchaeus, in front of his, the company that was there and in front of Jesus said, that from this day on I will give back four times what I've stolen to those, from those. Why? Because there's a gratitude in his heart. And see, when you and I have gratitude in our hearts, and I'm kind of going off subject here a little bit, okay, but there's a gratitude within us. No one needs to prompt us to give and to contribute. Just like nobody, Jesus didn't tell me you need to give four times back. He felt the gratitude in his heart. But he convicts us. And when you and, I have, you and I have this connection with Jesus, when you and I have his spirit residing in us, when you and I go, go before him and we do the prayer that David prayed and said, Lord, reveal to me my hidden sins. And if you stay quiet for a little bit, your mind, he'll remind you. Remember that word you said to that person? Remember that thing you looked at last week? Remember that addiction you said you were going to stop? Yeah, you forgot about it, but I haven't forgotten about it. And he brings it to us. And he offers us forgiveness, but we have to speak it and confess it. Praise the Lord, everybody. What does this mean for us? Set a fire. Experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, this year, as we go forward, right now, this past 
I don't know, past month, month and a half, two months, it's been the same group of us. We love you guys. We believe God brought us together for a reason. But I believe that if we're going to step out into deeper waters where God has called us to be, we're going to need to set a fire in our souls. We need to be filled with God's spirit in our lives. Because no matter what we do, I can, I, I, you can sing very beautifully. I can play the piano very awesome. No, I can't really, but I could, right? I can preach really good. But if God is not present, it's all for nothing. If God does not build a house, the workers work in vain. We're laying a foundation that it has no base. We're laying a weak foundation in our hearts. We're laying a weak foundation in our church. But this year, as we move forward with different, different uh, services, different community services, different activities, let's make, let's make sure, church, that Jesus' spirit is inhabiting our lives. That we're inviting Jesus to go along with us. Last week I talked about there be purpose in our steps. That in every step we take, there is purpose in God's spirit. Every step we take towards that destination God has taken us, that we're not leaving his spirit behind. That the words we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That is not a, 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 an empty song, but that it is a heart cry from us. That we invite you, Spirit, into my life. We invite you, Spirit, into the life of our church. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to be the one that moves us. And if you go to the left, I go to the left. If you go to the right, I'll go to the right. If you tell me move north, I'll move north. If you tell me move south, I'll move south. Just be with us. I wonder if we can say that in our lives. Are we willing to wait on God? Are we willing to invite his presence into our lives? Are we willing to let his spirit affect our decision making? Are we willing to allow that God's spirit uh, uh, affects our relationships, that all of our relationships that we have with our spouses, with our children, with our friends, with our coworkers, that it revolves around the Holy Spirit? Are we willing to, to, to present those daily battles that you and I go through before God and say, Lord, I need your guidance. I need your counsel. I need your conviction in my life because there are certain things that I struggle with day in and day out. And come on, church, you can't tell me you don't struggle because if I struggle, we all struggle because we're all human beings. There is a daily battle in our lives. We need to ask Jesus into our hearts and ask him that his Holy Spirit reign in us. I'm going to ask you to stand today.